It's the bottom line on News Radio 610, KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down, break it all down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. With your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Hour number two on your Thursday afternoon. 547-1610 is the number if you'd like to get involved. Also via email, 610KONA.com, the bottom line page. Your name, where you're listening, what you would like to say. We're on Twitter, Bottom Line 610, where you can message us on Parlor at the Bottom Line 610, and you can download our free mobile app at Google Play and Apple Stores and contact us that way as well. Robin Ed with you, and we got a great email from Bruce in Kennewick. Yes, we did. He said, today I asked my doctor when he thought the pandemic would end. He said, how should I know I'm a doctor, not a politician? That's great. <laughs> That is. I don't even care if that brilliant. was a made-up thing. If that didn't really happen, that's funny. That is a great one-liner. Yes, whether it happened or not, it's a fantastic one-liner. Thanks for the email, Bruce. And you know, that's. I think that is the one glaring part of this that people are struggling with, because you hear different things from different corners of the medical community. Yeah, You hear some doctors that say one thing about the virus. You hear others that say something else. Uh, Again, we'll go back to the beginning of the George Floyd protests when you had over a thousand, quote, health care experts say that social justice is more important than COVID. So go out and protest. Um, You know, you've had different things that have come from those in the healthcare realm, and that has led to different decisions that have been made by those in politics. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KNA. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Sean from Benton City. What's up, Sean? So it looks like Dr. Fauci was actually telling the truth in the beginning that masks aren't ineffective. Um, just one way of looking at it. Another thing, if our governor decides to put us back in a lockdown, do you think that would motivate the Four Corners to call a special session of Congress? You know, Sean, that's a real interesting question, because in the last day, a number of lawmakers on both sides of the aisle in the state legislature have come out, and uh, today alone, three Democrats running for re-election on the West Side in the House, not in the Senate, in the House, have come out and expressed their disappointment in the governor for not calling a special session to deal with this. Now, my personal opinion, just my opinion, nothing, don't know anything substantial, but for some time now, three of the four needed signatures to call a special session have had the ink dried, and that is from Speaker of the House, Lori Jenkins, who is a Democrat, House Republican leader J.T. Wilcox and Senate Republican leader Mark Schessler. The only person who has held out is the Senate Majority Leader Andy Billig, Democrat from Spokane. Now, about a month ago, the governor was in Spokane. As the conversation was heating up 
about a special session, and those three signatures had already been applied to the request. My personal opinion is that when the governor, who has not made any intimation whatsoever of calling for a special session, because he continues to like to expand his proclamations and talk about how financially destitute the state is without doing anything about it, my personal opinion is that he and Senator Billig got together and he asked Senator Billig not to sign it because he did not want a special session. No, he doesn't. In fact, uh, one of the reporters this afternoon asked him um, about that very question, and she had, I I can't remember what part of the state that she was from, but she had uh, given the governor some information about that particular part of the state, and uh, he thought, oh, okay, that's that's interesting information. I didn't know that, and thank you for that. And and the follow-up question from the same reporter was along the lines of, well, wouldn't it be a whole lot easier to get that information from lawmakers from the different parts of the state in the form of a special session, have them all in Olympia to be able to to do this and address all the other economic pressing needs brought on by the pandemic? His response was interesting. He says, we don't need a special session. He says the telephones work just fine here in Olympia, meaning if anybody has any concerns, they can call them up. We don't need to bring everybody together for a special session. I found that odd. Well, I shouldn't think anything is odd from this governor anymore, but that was his response was he he does not. He is not going to be a fan of the special session and. It goes to your point, Rob, that, you know, why would he why would he answer a question like that in unless he knew that there wouldn't be any chance of a special session, i.e., you know, did he get to Senator Billick? I don't know. That's just my opinion that there was a conversation and that it was a request to not sign in on a special session. Now, there is a difference There is a difference between what happens if the governor calls the special session and the legislature calls the special session. Yes. If the governor calls the special session, the legislature can do anything they want. Yes. If the governor, so the governor calls it, they can address any issue at all. Mm -hmm. If the legislature calls it, they are confined to the reasons why they are calling the session. Yeah, and they have to make those known up front. Like, <laughs> right. we are calling a special session because we have a major budget crisis on our hands, for example. Yes. Due to the COVID-19. Now, it's interesting because one of the things that's continued to be cited in this deficit is RCW 43.88.110, Section 7 which says if at any time during the fiscal period the governor projects a cash deficit in a particular fund or account, the governor shall make across-the-board reductions and allotments for that particular fund or account so as to prevent a cash deficit unless the legislature has directed the liquidation of the cash deficit over one or more fiscal periods, meaning the governor can't take money out of one fund or account to alleviate issues in another fund or account. Only the legislature has the ability to do that. 
So if the governor decides to do anything like that, it winds up becoming a problem and a violation, potentially, of the state constitution. We got an email from Donna in Kennewick. Donna writes, uh, well, listening to his talk today, I think Jay has finally left the building. At one point, he started talking about another stimulus package, and he said, and I quote, just sign the damn bill. I don't know about you, but I think we need a special session. Donna, thank you very much for the email. And yes, uh, the governor has taken the opportunity on a number of his COVID-19 news conferences to take a shot at uh, Congress and the president in not funneling more money out to the states, yet he wants to do He's, you know, he he always plays the other part of it, too, where and he's true. It's right that states do have some autonomy. So he wants to have it both ways. He wants to be able to do whatever the heck he wants. And he wants the feds to pay for it. Right. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from today? Oh, this Rick calling from the lower valley. Hi, Rick. What's going on? Oh, well, I just your governor is a real piece of work. That, that, I got that to say. And uh, as far as the statistics, when he started spouting off about the, the 20 to 30 crowd being the ones that are uh, infecting most of the people now, why didn't he bring up the fact that there were all of these people crowded in the small areas in Seattle and... Uh, and breathing on top of one another and beating the crap out of people, um, that that could have been the cause. And I just think that he just doesn't understand that uh, most of us, I've traveled all the way to Nevada, I've traveled into Idaho, I've traveled to Oregon, and just take care of myself and let people know, you know, we have to... uh, uh, be responsible for our own actions, and uh, we could get through this. Appreciate the call, Rick. It's really simple uh, explanation for why the governor is doing what he's doing and, and the inconsistencies uh, having to do with the protests uh, and and not connecting those dots with uh, a jump in cases, especially among young people, which we are seeing. It's simple. Those people that are protesting and those that support those movements tend to vote or would potentially vote for the governor. He doesn't want to tick them off. He wants another term in office. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, This is Roger. I'm calling from Kenwood. Hi, Roger. What's going on? Well, you touched on something just a little bit ago about the the treatment and the doctors, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so... I specifically asked my doctor when I saw him a couple weeks ago how he would treat um, the flu, the, the um, COVID, if I came in, and if I could come in. And he said, yeah, you, if you came in, I would treat you. And he said that it would, and I asked him about the hydrochloroquine, and he said, no, nah, don't do that. But we would use the, and I can't pronounce it, the rem, remdesivir. Remdesivir, yes. yes. So then my wife goes, and she has a, doctor's appointment the following week she asked the same question and he says no we wouldn't we you wouldn't come here 
we might test you, but we wouldn't send you here. We would send you straight to the hospital, and a hospitalist would take care of you. So my doctor's a trios doctor. Hers is a Catholic doctor. And they're, and so <laughs> early detection, early treatment seems like we'll ward off a lot of problems. Case in point, if you get the flu, if you get in within 48 hours and get Tamiflu, it usually knocks it right out. So that, and then I keep hearing all these other different treatments, like the doctor in Texas that's using a, uh, a nebulizer, and I can't remember what the stuff is, but uh, he's saying it's the same thing that they're using in Taiwan, where they have 28 million people and, what, 10 deaths. So just saying, early detection, early treatment, which seems like, I mean, the stuff's going to spread. That's all there is to it. It's going to spread. And I don't think you can hold the numbers down. Anyhow, that's all I got. Appreciate the call. Uh, to that point, um, again, it it takes time to figure out what treatments work and what don't. I mean, you don't want to just take a shotgun approach and give a patient whatever the heck and hope something sticks. We are just now starting to see some of the early returns on remdesivir on that drug and something that's called convalescent plasma. Convalescent plasma is basically, remember, Rob, when uh, there was this push uh, a few weeks, maybe a month or two ago, for those who had contracted COVID-19 and fully recovered to go and donate blood. Yes. Why was that? Because the hope and the thinking was that those people would have antibodies in their blood. Well, it turns out convalescent plasma is uh, it is that uh, blood sample that has protective antibodies in there. Now, the caveat, at least right now, is that researchers aren't exactly sure how productive those antibodies are, i.e. the convalescent plasma, but they do know this that when they are testing potential vaccines, which is completely different than the treatments, yes. when they are studying potential vaccines that produce antibodies, which is that's what you're doing, is you're injecting the virus to, quick, to speed up the antibodies to fight off the infection, they are basing their studies on convalescent plasma. 547-1610, 509-547-1610. can email us, too, by going to the website, 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page. Send us your question or comment. Can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line with Rob and Ed. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610-KONA. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA, 547-1610 is the number if you would like to get involved. And if your small business is open right now in this modified Phase 1, and you're not quite sure if you have all the protections that you need to continue moving forward, contact Jason Hogue with American Family Insurance today. He's the only American Star Certified Rated American Family Insurance agent in the Tri-Cities. And if you're wondering 
Do I have what I need to have? Well, you can reach out to Jason via his website, jasonhogue.com. Have a conversation with Jason. He'll let you know what protections you should have, maybe if you need to add a few things, and what policies American Family Insurance has to help your small business stay protected and make sure your insurance is completely and totally 100% where it needs to be during COVID-19. It's jasonhogue.com, Jason Hogue, agent with American Family Insurance. 5471610 is the number if you would like to get involved. Got an interesting email from Pat in Kennewick. Pat writes, I'm not sure if you guys have read or heard about the conspiracy going on about the New World Order or the One World Government. Look up We Are Being Played by Grace Van Berkham. It's interesting. I am not a conspiracy theory guy, but it makes you wonder. Pat, appreciate uh, appreciate the email. I have not heard of uh, of that particular uh, book. Um, all I can say is you have no idea. 547-1610-509-547-1610. And that, that is not a new theory. I mean, let's be honest. The one world government's been tried for, oh, gosh, the majority of human existence. Uh, we can go back to the Mongols. We can go back to Ch- to uh, the Romans, the Greeks. You name it. Everybody has tried to rule the world at some point in time. But they, but usually, those instances came through armies and force. What we have seen with this latest push, uh, this globalistic push, has been through finance. It has been through money. It has been the uber wealthy using political connections and cash uh, to attempt to buy um, basically consolidation. And one of the biggest examples that we have seen is the European Union. Um, It was pushed as a means to strengthen the entire continent of Europe, where the smaller countries would be able to become economically viable through shared partnerships and, and economic stability and so on and so forth. It didn't work out that way. And with the exit of Great Britain from the European Union, it has raised the question as to what the point of it was in the first place. And many people have looked at it as trying to be the socialist feather in the cap of one George Soros Soros of all stands to lose the most from the collapse of the European Union. Uh, But Great Britain's exit, or I should say England's exit, has had a huge impact on uh, the stability of the European Union because Germany will not be able to carry it alone. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. We've got 60 seconds. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Dave from Kennewick. What's up, Dave? Hey, so our government throws around sanctions left and right like it's candy, you know, like a Mardi Gras. Why can't we sanction Soros? How come we haven't made connections enough to sanction him out of, you know, out of his mind? Uh, there's got to be some groups out there that are ready and geared up to go after somebody like that. I just don't know why nobody has yet. Thanks, there, you, thanks for the call. There are there have some been attempt uh, some attempts that have been made, not necessarily by this country, but his home country of Hungary uh, has taken the most drastic steps against George Soros of any other nation. Uh, So there are out there that are very aware, but uh, there's too much support for George Soros on the far left in this country for anything to happen. We come back. 
We're going to discuss who's running for governor. If you got your voter, if you got your your ballot in, and you see a ton of names, and you're not sure who's who, we'll try and help you out a little bit next. Now back to the bottom line on News Radio 610 K O N A, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline 509-547-1610. Bottom line, News Radio 610 K O N A, Thursday afternoon. Robinette hanging with you. Swing by CBD American Shaman across from the Grain Elevator. On Clearwater in Kennewick, check out the two newest all-natural products that they have, CB Night, which could help you with your restless nights. Could very well bring you the peace and the restful sleep that you are looking for. And CB Go, which could add that extra boost that you may need during the day. Both products all-natural, both with the patented nanotechnology used by CBD American Shaman to break down hemp oil into water-soluble molecules. Helps process faster in your body. Can mix it with any non-alcoholic beverage you would like. Orange juice, milk, water, whatever. Give you what you're looking for in an all-natural way. Stop by CBD American Shaman. Ask about CB Night and CB Go today. They're across from the Grain Elevator on Clearwater in Kennewick. So, Ed, there are 37 people running for governor. Is that all? 37. Hmm. Actually, 36, technically. There's 36 people running for governor. There's 36 running for governor. One candidate withdrew, but they were given a lottery spot anyway. Ah, okay. So 36 running for governor. We'll start with the local candidates. There are some local candidates that are running for governor. Uh, Ian Gonzalez from Kennewick, who identifies with the Republican Party. Uh, He is running for governor. Also running for governor. Uh, from Kennewick, William Bill Miller, who identifies with the American Patriot Party. And from West Richland, we have a candidate as well, Brian R. Weed, who states no party preference. Uh, Yakima has a candidate. Of course, Dr. Raul Garcia, we'll talk about him in a few minutes. Uh, he's from here. He lives in Yakima. He's a doctor at Lourdes. Uh, Liz Halleck is a candidate from Yakima as well, uh, representing the Green Party. Now, there are, as we said, 36 people that are actively running, majority from the west side of the state. Many of these names you have not heard of. We're not going to run down the list of all of those names, though I will say running as an independent is a guy who will certainly get a little interest, maybe name only, and that is Thor Amundsen. Because after all... I suppose that's his real name. A vote for Odin's son, maybe a vote to save Olympia. Who knows? But... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. One of the other ones that you and I were talking about during the break is uh, appeal uh, is appealing to me. Oh, yeah? Which one would that be? Good Space Guy. Oh, Good Space Guy. He's running again. Good Space Guy. Uh, has run against incumbents 21 times and has occasionally made it to the prime, made it to the general election. Yeah. 21 times he has run against incumbents. I uh, could be in the Guinness Book World of Records. I was going to say, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's some dedication. Now, we've got a couple interesting parties in the race. We've got the pre-2016 Republican Party, which uh, a gentleman... <laughs> I didn't know about that party. Okay. Didn't either. Just found out about that one today. That's a new one. A gentleman by the name of Nate Herzog is running uh, as a pre-2016 Republican. 
Uh, we have a fifth Republic candidate, uh, David Blomstrom. Uh, we also have a propertarianist. A what? Propertarianist. They uh, they align with libertarians. Ah, uh, they believe but they're more proper. They well, no, no, no. They believe that everything is controlled by owning property. Oh, that's kind of that's kind of yes, got it. Okay. yes, a propertarianist. That is got it. Winston Wilkes from Granite Falls, Washington. Hmm. Uh, we have a socialist workers candidate. Henry Clay Dennison. I'm sure he'll get a few votes in the Shama district. Uh, we have a stand-up America candidate, Alex Simmerman uh, from Seattle. Uh, we do have some unaffiliated and some who state no party preference. The rest are Republicans and Democrats. Now, we don't expect any Democrat to really challenge Governor Inslee, who, interestingly enough, got lot 31 out of the 37 who filed. I don't think it's going to hurt his chances all that much of getting out of the primary. Uh, but the Well, I don't know. Some of those, you know, some of the voters might think, oh, mm-hmm. it's just too much effort to go all the way down to the mm-hmm. end of the list. Now, what we will tell you is if you are looking for information on candidates, you can go to the Secretary of State's website, if you click on um, elections, click on candidates, and then candidates who have filed, it you'd put in governor in the in one of the search bars uh, under race on the on the right under the tab that says race, and it will bring up all the governor's candidates. You click on their name, it will take you to the candidate bio and information they have submitted. So there's not a paper voters. Uh, guide in the primary, so it's all on the web. But the the leading candidates, those that are have have done the most, I guess, uh, to position themselves to challenge Jay Inslee, uh, the aforementioned Dr. Raul Garcia from Yakima, who is a uh, ER doctor at Lords. Uh, he will be joining us on Wednesday of next week um, to talk about his candidacy. Uh, Dr. Garcia uh, entered the race towards the end. Um, Very interesting gentleman to listen to. Uh, And to be fair to all of them, we will give you contact information for their websites, for all the ones that we're going to discuss right now. Um, His, actually, it's the email addresses, so we won't do that necessarily. Uh, But the information for their websites out there if you search for their name. But Dr. Raul Garcia, uh, one of the candidates who, is, who has come on uh, in the last couple of months to raise a few eyebrows. Also, you have Lauren Culp, who is the sheriff or the uh, police chief, excuse me, from Republic, Washington. Uh, he was the first law enforcement officer to come out against uh, Initiative 1639 and the first one who said that he would not uh, enforce 1639. Uh, Mr. Cope will join us on the program tomorrow at 4 o'clock to discuss his candidacy. Uh, so you can find more information about him online as well. Uh, then we get into Tim Iman, who, of course, is uh, the Initiative King, has been known for 20 years at least around Washington State because of his initiatives. He put the first $30 car tab initiative about 20 years ago, has had a number of initiatives that have passed via voters, but not 
approved through the legislature or struck down in the courts because there was an aspect or two that didn't meet muster. Uh, he also was responsible for the latest attempt at $30 car tabs that did uh, get, get voter approval and is still being still working its way through the courts. Those are three of the five. Uh, the final two, State Senator Phil Fortunato, who I believe is the 30, is it 31st or 34th district. Yeah, and he was just on the program the yeah. other day. He was on the program last week with us, or was it? Yeah, I think it was last. Was it earlier this week or last week? It's like a day or two ago. I know. The they, oh, is, they, yeah, the time's the time all been running just, together. Yeah, it's all off. It's all been running together. But uh, State Senator Phil Fortunato joined us recently to discuss his campaign. He has been in the legislature for a few years. Um, he is um, anti-tax, um, does a lot of, um, you know, has put a few bills forward, including one to try and get the $30 car tabs into law before the last legislative session ended. Uh, he is from King County, the only Republican that is elected from King County at this point in time. And Joshua Freed, who is the former mayor of Bothell, is the final uh, higher-profile candidate running for governor. Um, I believe he was the, he was on the Bothell City Council for 12 years, was mayor. I don't know if he was mayor for all 12 of those, but he was a mayor for, mayor for a good portion of those. Um, and we've had Mr. Freed on the program a couple of times as well as Senator Fortunato and Mr. Iman. So uh, the, the top five, the most high-profile candidates we've all had on the program at one point in time or another uh, since the campaign began. And you can find more information about all of those gentlemen. Um, just search for their names on the Internet. You'll find their campaign sites. Uh, or go to the Secretary of State's website and uh, click on Candidates and then Candidates Who Have Filed. Search for governor under race. Click on their names for the information that they have given to the Secretary of State for their candidate profile. We do not do endorsements of candidates. We refuse. I will say this, and this is me personally talking. This has nothing to do with the show. Um, I don't know who I'm going to vote for, for governor. I'll tell you. The one person I won't be voting for, and that would be the incumbent. Um, I, I I could go on for days, and we have gone on for days as to why Governor Inslee is um, not doing a wonderful job. But people need to make up their mind for themselves, and whether it is to support the current governor or not, um, do some research. Don't just go into it blindly. You know, don't just vote for somebody because they have a D next to the name or because they have an R next to the name. And the reason why I say that is I am not going to vote for Governor Inslee, but I honestly, I'm being completely honest here, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. I don't know. Right now, none of the other candidates have earned my vote. And that's how I view it, is they have to earn my vote. And the only thing that I know for sure is Governor Inslee has not earned my vote and will not be getting my vote. Um, and I, I I can't be the only one out there that is in that predicament. Uh, even if you voted for Inslee before and are starting to question it, um, 
those, every single candidate has to earn your vote, in my mind. It should never, ever, ever be an automatic thing. Ask Hillary Clinton that. Hillary thought she had everything locked up. And we've seen a number of cases throughout history where candidates overthink things, think they've got something in the bag, and whoops, the public doesn't act the way the public thought or was supposed to act. Point being, do some research. A candidate should earn your vote by something that he or she does or says that they are going to do or what they are about. 547-1610-509-547-1610. Back with more after this. Hook up with the bottom line on Twitter at bottom line 610. Now back to the show presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA, 547-1610. If you have any final thoughts, you can also shoot us an email, 610-KONA.com, bottom line page, your name, where you're listening, and what you would like to say. Like Jamie and Connell, I'm concerned about our kids not being able to go back to school. We've had at least five of our seniors looking at online schooling to get a fast track to get out of high school if there are no sports. They're all straight-A students and leaders in our school. You can always make up a year of college if you skip one, but these kids only have one chance at high school. They've already lost spring, and now, or they've lost last spring, and now it's not looking good for this fall. Sports is an amazing, or is an important part of high school. And a side note, took a survey of people that were at base on the city parade in Barodio. Not one person has said they got sick. Thank you for the email, Jamie. Appreciate it. Um, you know... It makes you wonder at some point in time if <laughs> we've – I don't want to go really too far down a conspiracy road here, but we've talked about it all the time about making sure that the education system is actually uneducating instead of educating. And, gosh, we're missing all this school. I don't know. Uh, John and Pasco said, at what point does the cure become more damaging than the problem? And that has been uh, a recurring theme throughout all of this. Um and, you know, quite honestly, I think if the governor decides to move anybody backwards at the same time, pressing everybody to wear masks, you are going to start seeing that question rise even further. Um, a lot of people are willing to give this mask thing a shot based on the promises of milk and honey that the governor was delivering and health officials were delivering if people just wore a mask. Well, now people are doing that. And you hear, you see and hear the surveys out of the three areas that were having the most difficulty, Yakima, Benton, and Franklin counties, and that it's 90 to 95% compliance. And I don't know if we're seeing the test numbers yet based on the masking up initiatives. Might be a week from, maybe, maybe next week we'll start seeing them. Yeah, next week uh, actually had a chance to ask uh, the Benton Franklin Health District to that very question uh, during their weekly uh, media availability, and uh, we are we are we are going on to the tail end of the cases that are associated with July Fourth weekend. Those are going to run their course here, you know, tomorrow Saturday something like that. Next week, midweek, 
soon, but no, we're not quite there yet. Will we hopefully see the effects of all the mask wearing? And it was a f- interesting. It was an interesting comment by uh, Rick Dawson, no relation, um, that <laughs> what we're going to find out. And he even chuckled at the end of this, and I kind of raised my eyebrow. He says, what we're going to find out is if people are just being mask compliant going in and out of stores, or are they doing it elsewhere too? And I thought that was an incredible point. If we're seeing 95% mask usage on the surveys of people going in and out of stores, yet our cases go up here in the next week or two, where we're in that time frame of uh, where the mask is supposed to bring the case level down, he's already laid the groundwork. If that happens, the excuse will be, well, people just aren't wearing their masks anywhere else. So we got to keep wearing the mask. So interesting stuff. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Tom out of Kennewick. Hi, Tom. Go ahead. Hey, I got a question. You know, it, it, here's the thing with the mask and the gloves and everything they're wanting us to do for personal protection. How come there's no place to disp- go to your town to dispose of it? It's, it's so it's, it's so toxic and so scary, this virus. Why don't we have a, a simple place to go drop it off like you would an HIV needle or a drug user's needle or something like that? Well, because it doesn't live on surfaces. That's why. I mean, you can, you know, you can wear a mask and hopefully wash it. But if you have one of the disposable masks, you know, you can wear it and toss it and it's not going to... You know, the virus can't live outside the body for very long. No virus can. And the virus doesn't live on surfaces for very long, if at all. Uh, We don't know the specifics of that, but that goes true for just about every virus out there. So, yeah, that's that. So you may have a, a mask. And even if you have COVID and you're breathing onto that mask, it's going to stay on that mask for... I don't know, a few seconds, a few minutes, and then it'll die out in the open air. You toss it in the garbage. It's not going to contaminate your other garbage. Um, and it also didn't spread to somewhere else. Look, I'm not I'm not turning into a mask advocate or anything like that. I'm just telling you the science involved, actual science, not Governor Inslee science, the actual science when you're talking about how viruses are transmitted. Um, so that's hopefully an answer to that question. I guess we will see. 547-1610 is the number. Any final thoughts? Um, We'll find out more, I'm sure. I think one of the things people are waiting to see, as we mentioned, is next week. Hopefully we start seeing the testing numbers since the masking up initiative took place. And those numbers are going to tell us the story. I really believe that if the compliance is where the health district has said with their surveys, if we don't see a change in the numbers, people around here are going to lose it. Yep. And not just here. No. Across the state. Absolutely. Yakima, everything else. So... You know, this balancing act is teetering on the edge right now, and there needs to be some good news coming with these test results next week 
or else it may just fall over. The Afternoon Report, coming up next. 